crazy stuff going on today. Um, first of all, though, we've got to talk about what's in our cups today. So Melinda, what do you have? So today I have peppermint tea. So it's a repeat of what we've had before. Um, and we talked about already the awesome benefits of peppermint tea. Um, you know, it's great for headaches. It's good for tons of stuff, even, you know, just to smell it. It has good properties. So go back and watch our previous show um, about peppermint tea. But today we are talking about another day that is celebrated, which is um, coming up in a few days, and that is St. Patrick's Day. Um, so I wanted to do, <laughs> ta-da! Don't put my hat on. Okay, now we can go. There you go. So I wanted to find an herb um, or herbs native to Ireland. Um, and one in particular, of course, I found several, but one in particular that I really enjoyed um, reading about was blackthorn. Um, and they have, there's blackthorn trees and blackthorn bushes. They have darker bark. Um, the thorns do look black. Uh, the flowers are lighter in color, like a pinkish white. It's, it's very pretty. You should, um, look them up. They're pretty. Um, so of course we always talk about medicinal and magical properties. So for blackthorn, it's really good for improving digestion. So it relieves bloating, which I found was interesting because, you know, we can all use that at times. Um, also with diarrhea and constipation, and it's actually really good for children, which I thought was good, of course, because I have children, <laughs> as, we, as a lot of us do. Um, sore throat and bad breath, you can actually chew on the berries that will help, you know, get in your mouth and sort of swish it around. Also for colds and coughs, you can use the flowers of the plant to help with that. And I know, and also for a lot of beauty regimens, if you actually use, if you make an oil from blackthorn, you can use it to help with stretch marks. And it also helps with skin elasticity so I thought that was really, and also an astringent. So I thought that was like. An astringent, that's interesting. I know, it's so many different things. And you can also, if you get two teaspoons in an herbal tea, it can help stimulate appetite. So I thought that was really good. That's great um, for anybody going through chemotherapy. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and eating disorders where, you know, that would be a good alternative to, you know, help more natural ways to help with that. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and it also detoxes the body. So who doesn't need that every now and then? And the magical properties. So it's also known as the Crohn's tree. So I know I was like, Pam's going to be so excited. So because it's, it's black, it's, you know, dark in color, the dark goddess. So that was really interesting. The tree is also called the tree of ill omen and is considered um, in Britain to have magical properties. So not specifically in Britain, but everywhere, you know, it has magical properties. But in a lot of Britain, Blackthorn is considered um, 
So also something that was very interesting is that supposedly Christ's crown of thorns was made of black thorns. So I was like, oh, wow. wow. And because of that, it's said that if you bring a blossom of blackthorn into your home, that uh, death will come upon certain death would fall. Yeah. So it's kind of something you don't want. I know. Keep that away. Another thing that was really neat is that their blackthorn is associated with fairies a lot. So, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. So according to Irish folklore, it is believed that little people or fairies lived in blackthorn bushes. Also, there are fairy tribes known as the Lunantishis. They are said to guard blackthorn trees, and you are not to cut them down on November 11th or May 11th, or you will be cursed with bad luck. Now, I don't know the significance of those days. I have to research more about that. It is interesting to me that it's both the 11th day of those months. Yeah, but 11-11, I can see, because that's repetitive. But 5-11? I know. I have to dig into it more. And if I can find more information, I'll follow up. But I thought that was really interesting. Now, do we have Blackthorn in the United States? Like maybe up north? I'm not sure. I because I for my research part of it, I stuck to Ireland. I am going to research more about that though because I'm curious myself. And honestly, when I was looking it up, I didn't even think to try to check to see if it's here. Um, so yeah, so I'm definitely going to look into that and the dates because I couldn't when I was looking for the dates, I really couldn't find much about. And even in in the research that described that you know folklore the tribes didn't even mention the reason why it just mentioned the dates so i definitely have to see if i can find more about that tribe and those dates there must be something significant in the culture for well and it and it specifically names the a specific fairy tribe the lunian tishis so it may only have something to do with that specific tribe and not fairies in general so so maybe so maybe i'll go look at that uh so it's also really good for purification and protection and ridding the atmosphere of negative energy which if you think about it black is a color for ridding a negative energy it also aids with dispelling uh of fear depression and anger so i thought that was really interesting also helps with creating boundaries and confronting our own dark side. So shadow work. <laughs> shadow work. Dark moon. Right. Yes. Uh, and blackthorn wands, which I thought were really cool. If you have a wand made out of blackthorn, it is usually known as a blasting rod because of its intense power. So I, oh. thought, I was like, okay, yeah. I, I want one of those now. Yeah, we definitely have to find out where they grow now so we can go yeah. harvest the wand somewhere. I know, I know. And another interesting thing was the thorns of the black thorns were used for poppets. So instead of like the metal needles, they would use those as for the poppets to prick in. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense because we didn't have metal needles back in the day. Right. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, that, that's black thorn. 
I it's it got beautiful. a lot going for it there, doesn't it? I know, and it's a really beautiful plant. If you if you go and look at pictures, it's really really. Beautiful. We'll have to uh, we'll get back to everybody and let you know about where it grows. Yeah. Um, just a, a note: if you do want to harvest something like that, you know it has to already be dead and fallen on the ground, and you you still ask permission because right. don't go chopping at a tree because they don't come over and cut your fingers off. So right. Do the reciprocal. And also before you go foraging and think, you know, make sure that what you're harvesting is not endangered. They're not endangered plants. Very important. Um, there is a list you can go online and you can look in your area and there is a list of endangered species of plants and things. So make sure you're not getting those. Um, Definitely. <laughs> and you always want to make sure if you are harvesting to get back to the land, what you've taken. So um, I'm doing Hawthorne or the Blackthorn. I am definitely going to get the berries a treat because I am not going to upset them. Yes. And Blackthorn is actually a cousin of Hawthorne. They're very, oh, okay. they're very similar, very similar. They have, they both have the berries similar with the flowers. They're in the same sort of uh, species of plant family so yeah they're they're cousins well that's really cool i mean we're gonna have to find out a little bit more about that black thorn because that it is an interesting it seems to cover a lot of different things not just it one yeah i thought it was really great so that yeah. is hawthorn wow so now we know a little bit about hawthorn plant we'll have to figure out what we can do with it um besides the tea if we can make the berries do it recipe with the berries um, many times if the plants medicinal they'll take the berries and make like a syrup out of it like elderberry there is a lady actually she when I was doing my research she is a lady from Ireland she's she's Irish and she has an apothecary sort of company but she Ooh. makes teas she has like her own brand of herbal teas that she bags and you know distributes um, and but she does jams and marmalades from the berries Ooh. so when I was looking at she does different um jams and marmalades so yeah always just make sure that you're looking up because not all parts of the plants are edible so do your research do your research do your research cannot say that enough uh because it's not just because one part of the plant just because a leaf is okay doesn't mean a root is okay vice versa versus a flower versus a berry <laughs> so do your research but yeah I th but yeah I thought that was really interesting jams and marmalades and mm. uh, and like I said for the oils like for the stretch marks and the astringents yeah, that's so there's a lot of that's what's interesting is it had a lot more qualities than one or two things so that's really cool yes that is awesome and since we're on the Irish kick St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Now, a little bit about who St. Patrick was. We've heard all the stories. Um, he um, was an actual person. They actually do have histories of people who wrote about him, who knew him. Um, the day we actually celebrate is not his birthday. It's actually the day he died. Um, he died March 17th, and the year was 461. So it was a little bit ago, before I was born, just a little bit. Um, and there are so many things associated with St. Patrick. It's a little hard to tell what is and what isn't true. Some of the obvious you can figure out is not true, but some of it is a little questionable. Um, he was not Irish. He was a Roman Briton because at that time, 
Britain was occupied by Rome because um, that's the time of Constantinople and those kinds, you know, Constantine and everybody, you know, one Rome, one uh, religion, one God, one empire, one emperor. And that was kind of his thing. But um, actually, he was captured as a slave and taken to um, Ireland, um, where he eventually escaped or he was he bought out. There's so many stories how he got away from it. But he was about 16 when that happened. So actually, at that time, 16 was a man. Um, afterwards, he um, became a priest through the Catholic Church, and he petitioned the Pope seven times before he let him go back to Ireland. Wow. Wow. Because he was a prisoner there, um, they weren't sure how things were going to work out. Now, St. Patrick was actually a person, so he... Um, he's credited with bringing Christianity to the people of Ireland and that general area, which we know is true because there was so much written about it at the time. So we do know that much. We're kind of believing March 17th at 461 was when he died, but you have to remember that not everybody could read and write. So sometimes things might be off a year or two. Um, the biggest, two biggest things associated with St. Patrick and everybody knows this is he, drove the snakes out of Ireland, and he was the one who explained the Holy Trinity using a shamrock. So the first one, driving the snakes out of Ireland. Ireland is an island. Um, there might be one species, but there's very little snakes on an island. So um, many people thought oh, that- Snakes are cold-blooded. They don't live there. Right. It's cold for them. It's cold, but we're saying there might be one or two escape there. Um, at a certain period of time, the snake was associated with the pagans um, because of the snake in the Garden of Eden. Right. So driving the snakes out of Ireland had a dual meaning. It was driving the pagans out of Ireland, which meant converting them to Christianity. And he was really good at it because he did not say you can't do this. He assimilated. So if you're out there in the sacred grove and you're doing your sacred ritual, which we do outside in the moonlight year round, so you can imagine Ireland's a little chilly in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. If you erect a building out there and everybody's huddled in and just body heat alone is going to help keep you warm, it, you know, you would meet in the building instead of outside, just making sense, in, you know, January or February when it's really cold. And he would talk to them afterwards. So he, it was a very gentle assimilation. It was not any of Rome's normal tactics coming in and enslaving and, you know, just being a tyrant. He did a very gentle um, transition. And so many people, he allowed them to keep a lot of their own beliefs and just tweak them a little bit. St. Bridget is perfect good example. She was never anything but pagan. She wasn't even alive at the time Christianity was around. So he kind of brought Bridget in as a saint, you know, kind of helping that along a little bit. So people more readily, all right, he accepts our, our Bridget. You know, Bridget was the goddess. She was the protector of Ireland. So in their mind, she was a goddess. So now he's saying the goddess is a saint, you know, give him a little bit more credibility, street cred with the crowd. So right. that came over. The whole thing about the Holy Trinity was the three in one. You got three leaves and one stem. So that was pretty self-explanatory. And that 
is kind of a way to explain it very, very um, childlike to people who might not understand. Now, all of this, it sounds wonderful that, believe it or not, St. Patrick is celebrated around the entire freaking world. Every country has a St. Patrick's Day celebration. Now, the very first one, I just have to mention this in America, the very first St. Patrick's Parade was held on March 17th in 1601. And guess where? St. Augustine, Florida. Woo! Go Florida. That's um, 20 minutes away from me, so I can claim it. <laughs> there you go. You're closer to it than I am. But it was actually organized by the Spanish colony because at that time, St. Augustine was just this little tiny colony. Um, their Irish vicar, and his name was Ricardo Artur, A-R-T-U-R, -R, which is very close to how Arthur is spelt in Britain, King Arthur. So it's kind of funny. He has very similar name. Um, now you have to remember after that, um, in the 1700s, um, you had a lot of the English military marched in New York City um, and they honored the Irish patron saint. And it got very exciting in New York City because there were a lot of Irish even in the 1700s here. And other early American cities were just capturing and moving on from there. Now, the greatest thing I thought was when I started looking at them is, of course, we know about the big celebrations like Chicago. Chicago has a huge Irish group, and they dye their river green. Now, there's a whole school of thought on this one, because supposedly back in 1961, a hotel uh, restaurant manager named Tom Woolley convinced the city's city officials in Savannah to dye the river green. Well, it didn't go as they had planned it. It was like a slight greenish hue. I, I guess they didn't use enough of it. Um, and so Savannah will claim the first green river. That's their claim to fame. No matter how green, the point no is matter green. How little green was in there, right. they're claiming it. Now, <laughs> In 62 is when it started um, getting really big in Chicago and they use a green vegetable dye and that's how they get their river green. Now in Tampa, they do dye the tributary green in Tampa. So that's a big one. Um, but I was really surprised that um, it is celebrated all over the world. And I was like, wow, um, how, how did it get everywhere? Evidently, there are enough Irish in enough different places around the world that celebrate it. So you can actually go anywhere in the world on St. Patrick's Day and you are going to see, of course, it's celebrated in Ireland and England and Scotland. We're not even going to mention that. And in America, like crazy. Right. But if you go elsewhere now, I mean, it kind of sounds silly, but um, it is actually celebrated in Russia. So Russia has a big Irish celebration. Bosnia has an Irish celebration. Um, Lithuania, Switzerland, Asia, Japan, Korea, um, the Caribbean, Malaysia. Um, and actually, they did do it one time on the International Space Station. <laughs> nice. Chris Hadfield um, was Irish and 
He uh, celebrated it in um, 2013 on the space station. So not only in the world, but above the world, it got celebrated. And of course, it's celebrated. Did you imagine like green drops floating, like you're trying to drink green? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, that doesn't even sound good. So um, New Zealand, Australia, South America, Argentina, I mean, all of these places. And I was amazed that it was celebrated as far and wide as it is. So it is a celebration for everybody. Wow, um, that's really interesting. Well, and going back to the driving, um, wanted to touch really quickly, driving the snakes, you know, out of Ireland to touch back on that. Amongst pagans, which I really didn't realize, you know, being solitary before, you know, paganism sort of took over social media. I won't say took over, but it's more obvious. It's around, it's out there. There's pagan groups, there's pagan pages and all of this on social media, which talk, you know, all these things. Um, you don't really, well, at least I didn't realize that some people are just so angry over St. Patrick's Day um, because of what it represents. But honestly, going back to your point, if you look at historians don't even have any, there's no evidence that there was any sort of pagan bloodbath that happened or occurred because of St. Patrick. And it took hundreds of years to convert to Christianity long after he was dead. Um, so, I mean, it took, and those stories were actually Christianized stories. So they were told from Christians, if that tells you. <laughs> so it's like it, they spread those stories of driving the snakes out. It was their story, their spin on it. So, I mean, it, and also you don't have to be angry or sad about it. You could I saw one of, someone said that they do it as a, they call it all snakes day instead of St. Patrick's day because they're pagan and they're like, well, you didn't drive me out. I'm still here. So they do, they, they call it all snakes day, but it's really important just to go back to your point. Like, for example, my husband is Irish. He's Irish and English. His mother's English, his father's and his grandmother, full-blooded Irish, came came over from Ireland, thick accent, the whole thing. Um, but, you know, so for our family and our kids, it's about celebrating the Irish heritage. So we don't really talk about even really St. Patrick himself. We, it's just about celebrating your Irish heritage and things like that. So there's different ways that you can use that day to celebrate it and, you know, turn a positive, a negative into a positive, basically. I also married Irish, and mm -hmm. St. Patrick's Day was a very special day um, for my husband's family. Um, they were um, very Irish. Their idea is we went to church, just like they do in Ireland. In Ireland, you'll know it's not, it is a celebration, but it's more a little bit more religious, because right. St. Patrick, it was Catholic, so your Irish Catholics celebrate it by going to mass and all right. that kind of thing. Your Protestants celebrate it by going to the pubs. Okay. It's <laughs> going to definitely be different. But yeah, it's definitely different. St. Patrick, actually, the conversion of Christianity, it was, it was named 
actually one of the most swift and peaceful conversions to Christianity. It was. Because he did use those tactics of sort of tweaking and things like that. So, I mean, it's easy to get mad and pissed off initially, but if you actually go and look at, you know, the history and things, because historians themselves are saying there's no evidence that this happened. These there are was just- Normally when Rome went in and christianized or catholicized actually because catholicism was the like the um, religion at the time they went in full force like we are going to convert you and they did that in a lot of countries and it was very very devastating to the countries because it was going in and taking over and rome was occupying them and it, it was not a comfortable conversion no at the time St. Patrick did it, he, the church didn't think he was doing a very good job at first because they sent emissaries up there going, you ain't doing this right. <laughs> he did, because he was very slow and dealing with the people very gradually. They, he made it very peaceful. They still got to keep a lot of their own uniqueness. And right. uh, if, if you go to Ireland or you speak to somebody who's Irish Catholic, they will, they have all of these little superstitions and they're, they are very Celtic. Yes. And it's kind of really cool because it's not looked down upon. It's not like, you know, Oh, like you drop in the salt and throwing it over your shoulder. That's if you don't do that, it's considered bad. So the Irish were allowed to keep a lot of their back beliefs, the fairies, the leprechauns and everything else was fine right we just want you to celebrate it this way so if you look at it it was very peaceful it was very gradual over a period of time so it was kind of like be thankful that you were not taken over like some of the countries were you know right. where, yeah there's um, definitely just, yeah oh yeah there's definitely a conversion that was not nice and was horrible and was bloody but well, there's Rome not, was kind of known for that so yeah but I say that with cringing because I'm Italian. So it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we, we come in and we're taking over. Um, and you know, what's funny, the biggest mix of cultures in Maryland was actually Irish and Italian. Yes. And I found that out. Um, of course, he ancient order of Hiberians and also the Emerald Isle League and all this other Irish things. But um, a friend of mine was in the Sons of Italy, and he was telling us, like, come on in, bring him in. Half the group's Irish anyway. So <laughs> it's just like, you know, sure. We'll fit right in. Yeah, we'll fit right in because everybody there. Um, but it is interesting that it was such a peaceful conversion, and they were allowed to keep a lot of their um, special little uniqueness that makes Ireland, Ireland, just right. like Scotland. They were all allowed to keep their heritage. So you're right. It is, it's a celebration of heritage and anybody will tell you that everybody is a little bit Irish on St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Um, and it's kind of cool. A lot of it is just celebrating the actual culture of a country. Now, people don't think about that anymore, but our world is getting smaller and smaller by the second. Um, now we do Zoom to all over the world. We're international calling. I mean, now you can get that on your phone and it's not a big thing anymore like it was back in the day. A long distance phone call was, you know, something you sweated over because it's going to cost you a fortune. Right. So 
when you're celebrating a whole country's heritage, it's kind of very special. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, well, let's find out more about the heritage of Scotland and Ireland and, and that whole area at the time, because they weren't separated that much at the time. There was some separation, but in the four, 400s, there wasn't. That didn't, the separation didn't start till later in the 15 and 1600s when the Irish and the Scots and everybody, you know, was like falling off and saying who they were. But right. it is a celebration of a culture and of, of an interesting period in history. If you go back and just read some of what was going on at, in history at that time, it's interesting. I don't know. We always think of like way back then that they were animals and, you know, people weren't like they were, but they really weren't. Right. And people were traveling all over the world like they do now. People, I guess people just think that international travel happened, but it didn't. Patrick had to go down to, um, to Rome and Constantinople because at that time there were two popes. You had one in Rome and one in Constantinople. They hadn't split yet to do the uh, Eastern Rite Catholic, which became the Greek Orthodox. So it gives you a little bit of idea of what goes on in a country. You know, why do they celebrate it? Why do they wear green? And the wearing of the green, um, and it, I did not know that this is where it came from because I just not Irish. I'm Irish by marriage. I'm IBM. So I don't know a lot of this. I had to learn it. <laughs> it, it was very interesting to me. I actually took an Irish culture course in Baltimore. It was offered. Um, and I dragged my father-in-law and my uh, late husband with me because it's like, we're going because I don't understand this whole Irish bit. So uh, it was very interesting. And the instructor was from Ireland and, you know, gave us some insights onto the culture and the history of the people of Ireland. So, and we learned a little Gaelic along the way. So it was a lot of fun. But the wearing of the green, I never quite got that. You know, I know Ireland is the Emerald Isle. It's green. You know, it's beautiful and lush. But the wearing of the green actually came from one of the flags. In the 11th century, um, this is where they're taking it back to. There was a book called The Book of the Taking of Ireland. Um, and it talked a, bit, a little bit more about Irish history. And on there... It was a flag in the 1600s, the green, what they call the green harp flag. And that's the flag where the white piece has a green harp in it. And I'm sure everybody has seen that everywhere. Um, prior to that, um, green was worn, but it was more of a color that was worn to celebrate the color of the grass and Ireland, you know, it just being the Emerald Isle. So there you go. Um, you have it now because of the flag of Ireland. Now that flag was used by the Irish Catholic Confederation. You have to understand there's a 400 year war going on between the Protestants and the Catholics in Ireland. It is still continuing today. So when you look at that, you have to understand that when you say Ireland, it's almost two countries. It's the Catholic country and the Protestant country. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to look at some of these things. Now you have to remember too, um, history is written by the victors. So whoever wins writes the book. When that happens, you don't always get the whole truth and you don't always understand why things were the way they were. Um, nowadays, countries that are taken over are still allowed to publish books that say what happened. 
um, my mother grew up during the war in Europe, World War II. Her actual experiences are not what we were taught in this country. Right. So she would tell me my history books were wrong. You know, that, that's not what happened. Um, and as a child, I didn't understand that. But of course, as I got older, I started seeing what was happening. So when you read a lot of this stuff, you need to know who wrote the history first. Mm-hmm. Find out who wrote it. Irishman? Was he Catholic? Was he Protestant? Where well, did- and also don't just look at one source. Like, look at several different sources. If you have the same picture, the same story coming, you know, from several different sources, then okay. But I'll, don't just go to the one source. Um, yeah. Because like you said, it could be, you know. You get a one-sided view of what happened. And Irish culture is so rich. And, oh, my goodness, I I swear I should have been born Irish. I've always said that. I <laughs> love reading the history and about the fairies and mm-hmm. the little people and, and where did that come from. And that is an Irish thing, the little people. So it's like, okay, well, how did we get that? How did that come in? You know, so it's there's a lot of lot of interesting stuff in Ireland. Wonderful, wonderful poets and um writers. I mean, just think Robert Burns, I mean, all that Scots, excuse me. Um I'm gonna get shot on that one. Um (laughs) a lot of the, the writers, I mean, when you start looking at all of the the richness from Ireland. Now, one problem with America was they were having a problem with the Irish during the Irish potato famine in 1845. Um, Many, many Irish left Ireland to come to the United States in search of a better life because people, the potato famine, potatoes being their main diet, when the crops failed a couple years in a row, um, thousands upon thousands died. Right. So... That's kind of something, you know, when they came to America, there were some not so nice connotations about being Irish. Um, they were nothing but drunkards and this kind of thing. So when you look at that, now, if you only saw it from that little point of view, you would not understand how well, you know, the Irish have come into this country and done wonderful, wonderful things. So again, read more than one book. Um do your history and your homework on it if you're going to look at it. And the best way is to talk to somebody from Ireland. Um, there are tons of Irish groups here, um, tons of Irish Gaelic groups. Irish uh, Gaelic comes in three different flavors. It's Welsh, Scotch, and Irish. So you got to pick your right one when you speak it because it is different. So as we are saying, it's a wonderful, wonderful time to celebrate. It's a wonderful time to celebrate another culture. If you are not Irish, now would be the time to spend a little time looking at that and understanding it because it's just adding to your knowledge of the world, especially if you have children. Um, You're going to see some of the Irish kids in school are going to be wearing the green uh, for St. Patty's Day. So you want to understand and have your children understand what the significance of that is so that they do understand that it is a cultural heritage thing and something that they should be proud of. Um, Of course, my children are part Irish. So, you know, they understand the significance of about a lot of the Irish stuff because we were taught 
we taught that at home. So they would have some culture pride in what it is. Um, and in Maryland, there's an enormous Irish fraction and uh, the Irish St. Patrick's Day Festival in Baltimore is huge, very huge. Awesome. There for a while, the mayor of Baltimore was Martin O'Malley, a little, just a little Irish there. So, <laughs> uh, he also had a band, O'Malley's March, and oh. they played um, traditional Irish music. If you listen to traditional Irish music, that is the basis for Appalachian music. Ooh. Many of the people that came over from Ireland and Scotland moved to West Virginia and up in the mountains because it very much reminded them of home. Right. It's mountainous. It's beautiful out there. So a lot of their culture got absorbed as it does. And a lot of our older country songs, what we would call our folk songs, are actually based on Irish music. Oh, interesting. So next time you hear a fiddler, you <laughs> think an Irishman, because the fiddle, even though it's used big in country music and in folk music, is from Ireland. So keep that thought in mind. But yes, a lot of the Appalachia um, music and customs are actually from Ireland and Scotland and in that area. Interesting. Yeah, they have a lot of different, you know, they're really big with um, the harps there. The river dance. I mean, come on, who doesn't know the river dance? Uh, Celtic woman. I mean, they have so many. Lorena McKennett. Who doesn't love Lorena McKennett? If you're a pagan. Yes. Mummers dance. Hello. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just so rich. And I think we've we've talked about before. It's just so important to, to engage in all other cultures. That's just how you learn. And that's how you understand other people that are not like you and that's how you can have an appreciation of it and honestly when you start when you start looking into other cultures and really seeing what they're about and how, what their practices are and how they live and what they eat and you see a lot of similarities a lot of similarities but then the differences that you see it's different than what you're used to. So it's almost like a aha, like, oh, wow, this is really neat. Like, this is really, this is a really neat, different way. Because if you think about it, no matter what culture, I'm every, every culture has like a coming of age, you know, they have, you know, birthing things, they have death rituals, you know, in different cultures, death is is you know honored a different way so i mean if you look at it there's similar there's some similarities but the differences are really rather interesting so it's really good to just experience that and really look into it because you might find yourself you know really enjoying a lot more and wanting to explore more you know and it really is great for the kids to start learning um like I said, our world is shrinking by the second. Um, I found out where I work, I'm on the phone with 22 different countries in Europe almost right. on a daily basis. So growing up when we had one phone in the house and a long distance phone call to Europe cost you a small fortune and you had like a 20 minute delay, you'd say hello and you'd wait 20 minutes to hear back. Right. Um, we're Zooming now and in other cultures and it's 
it is interesting to learn those cultures because every culture is so rich and has yes. so much to offer. And you start learning and celebrating and listening. And um, it, it, it's amazing when you start listening and finding out what's going on. And then you can actually, it makes you a broader person if you're more willing to accept another culture. Um, yes. Americans are considered crass because you're American. Um, and you really don't, you know, that much know that much or celebrate other cultures that much. You celebrate being an American. And unfortunately, a lot of people who come to America want to assimilate and become American. So right. you do lose a little bit of your culture. I grew up in a dual culture home. It was sometimes oppressing. Sometimes you wondered how you made it through, but by having all of that different, I am very accepting of other cultures because I had a different culture. Right. My children grew up in a very open culture at home. So they were, every time there was something on a different country or something, I, my kids signed up for it and went on all of that stuff because it allows them to be accepting of another culture. If somebody does something, um, sneezes and says gesundheit instead of bless you my children understood that because right. that was a culture thing um if somebody you know you go in and out the same door you don't go in one door and out another door um right. that's a superstition but it's a culture thing right. so rather than being oh you're weird you're different my kids are like oh that's cool why do you do that but also if you travel, it's also, you know, good to know what's offensive to one culture may not be offensive to another, you know, do's and don'ts. You could get killed for something in another country that is perfectly okay here. You know, it could be something as small as, you know, smoking or, you know, they, a thumbs up here is, you know, good job. Go to another country and it's the bird. So, I mean, yes. you got to watch out. And I can't remember. Well, if, the bird here I is remember, not the same as Europe. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was like Japan or China. One of them, if you, a thumbs up is a no, no, don't do it. Uh, but, you know, in the bottom line is, I think if you embrace other cultures, the bottom line, what, what the ultimate result is going to be is that you're going to be more open-minded and more accepting of other people that are different from you in your everyday life. So, we are a big melting pot of a country, you know, it, it's just, and you know, I think I've said it before because I haven't had the opportunity to be able to travel out of the country. So sometimes we get so caught up in our own little bubble that you don't even realize how some, some of the other countries and other people live or even just landscapes like the, like the rainforest, you know, the Amazon, you just don't realize you see pictures, you see it on TV, but you know, it, it doesn't seem real almost because you haven't experienced it. So if you have the chance to experience those other things, even if it's local, like we have every year, we have a weekend where there's a huge world of nations and there's a, a celebration of every country. There's food, there's people that are of that culture and it's open to the public and you can go and you have there's food, there's dancing, there's music. Um, and it's really, it's great. It's a family. It's great to take the kids. And that's at least a small way to be able to expose them to different cultures. And, you know, it, it's an excellent it's, way because it's yeah. done in a family environment. Um, 
Maryland and Baltimore every weekend in the summer is a different um, heritage festival. So we have every weekend, there was a festival to go to, which is really awesome. Um, of course, we went to the Italian festival and we ate the entire time. You go to the Greek festival, you eat the entire time. That was the worst part of the festivals is because- I would, I would be, I, I wouldn't all, move. All the no. pasta, I, I wouldn't be able to move. And bread, mm -mm. I'm telling you, and it's the little old ladies who go into the kitchen, like the grandmothers, and they cook, cook all the day. real deal. Yeah. And that is, it was very different for my husband, who was American Irish, um, when we went to the Italian festival, because it was not what you go into the restaurant and eat. It was not that Italian American food. It was real Italian food made by the little old ladies. So the food tasted so much different. Uh, that's what I grew up with. So I was like in seventh heaven. I ate about what forty pounds worth of stuff. But um, and that's my worst because you start at one end of the festival and you eat it, and then you come back and eat again. Um, yeah. If you do, you got the um, culture foods, and you get um, once you start eating the the different like Italians. You have the people who live on the coast, so it's a lot of seafood. People that live in the middle; it's a lot more meat. So right. you got a lot of that mix. And um, just like in Ireland, they have a lot of fish um, and they eat lamb more so than cattle. Right. So they're, they eat lamb more than they do beef. So that's a little bit of a difference in um, the cultures. And when you go to the festivals, of course, they have the native dancing, which is always cool to watch. Um, the traditional songs of that country, which are very interesting to hear from all countries. Well, and just found out last time that, you know, in Denmark, Freya's in the stanza of their national anthem. I mean, we right. I mean, who would know that little, that little nugget? I mean, they know, but I mean, as an American, I've never we been to and I think that's pretty cool to learn because when you go to these culture uh, events like this, um, you're actually talking to the people from the culture and they'll, they are more than willing to sit down and talk with you and educate you. There's always handouts and different things that you can pick up to learn about this stuff. Um, but I always thought it was great for me. Culture is uh, centers around food. Um, mm -hmm. That's my culture centers around food. So we're big, you know, breaking of the bread type people. And it's really cool when you go to these other culture um, weekends, how they break their bread, how they eat, what they eat, what did they eat? It's well, not it's just corned beef in Ireland. That's Jewish. Yeah. Well, my husband, we were talking today and he's already ready for, we got to buy our cabbage for, <laughs> we got to get that. We got to get that going. Um, but just as an example, my doctor is Brazilian and he would say, you know, in our American culture, how bad it is with, with food and how we overeat and junk food and the ice creams and the Debbie cakes, and, you know, all that, the obesity issue, which obviously is not, not a secret in our country. But what he was telling me was, you know, here, everything is so supersized and everything is such huge portions. And like when you go to the, uh, when you order a dessert at a restaurant or you have dessert at home, they're big portions. Well, he was saying where he's from, you know, when he would have dinner with his family, they would have a, a nice meal, savory meal. 
dessert was something bite-sized, just to cleanse your palate. That is it. Just something sweet, but it was bite-sized, and that was it. And that's how their culture was. And it was like, wow, I don't know if I could just have one. <laughs> but, I mean, if that was my yeah. culture, and that's how I was raised, yeah. But if I'm craving chocolate at a certain time of the month, I'm not having one. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, growing up, my mother, um, this country's eat slowly. Yes, and that's one thing he mentioned, too. But you just don't realize because, again, you're in your bubble. You're in your own bubble. And you're just like something so small like that is, oh, yeah, we eat dessert this way. Like something like dessert being different, you well, know, something and that's like a cultural thing, you know. It's sitting at the table, you sit at the table, you eat, you get up and you go, oh, no, 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 no. You're eating like an American. You got sent away from the table. Mm -hmm. We had to eat slowly each dish, each portion that was given to you you ate that right. portion at that time then something else was given to you so right. where we fill up your plate and you walk away with a plate like this if you're balancing it was small portions on a plate and you're full right yeah if you eat slower they will tell you you will not eat as much it takes uh, about 20 minutes before your belly can tell your head it's full Yep, exactly. I tell my kids that all the time because otherwise they want like something to eat every five seconds. I have to yes. tell my 20 minutes to tell your brain, your brain to tell your belly. And they're like, yeah, okay, mom. <laughs> like, yeah. of course, your belly gives a crap. <laughs> in most cultures, they didn't use a lot of sugar. No, yeah, no. Sugar was um, very, very expensive and only used on certain things at certain times. Uh, so, our sweet tooth comes from the fact that we're addicted to white sugar. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's another thing. If you eat cookies from another country, they're not as sweet. Nope, different. Yeah. Even when, yeah, even when uh, we, our dear friend DJ went down um, to Colombia, I mean, he was explaining how the fruit there is not sweet like it is here, even, even grown naturally. Um, it is not sweet. It's very, you know, tart. And, and I thought that was really interesting. And he was talking about the tomatoes. I love, I, I love his stories, even, even stuff like foods, like you wouldn't think you wouldn't realize you don't think about things, just something so small, like the way things grow in a different area of the world. And, how it could taste different, but be the same type of fruit or same plant. Fruit, yeah. It's just, it's so interesting. They do um, a lot of uh, genetic modification in this country on different things. And things were pruned differently to grow and, and so that it, the taste would be different or it would be right. um, more able to heal itself if the plant got damaged or... Well, and More also on the shelf longer, you know, don't eat shiny apples, people. It's not, wax. <laughs> they're not supposed to be shiny. <laughs> it's wax. I grew up on a farm. Um, I spent my summers in West Virginia on a farm. So um, I grew up eating real food, as I right. call it. So that's different. But even what you eat for breakfast or lunch, if you eat a traditional food somewhere like what we consider breakfast food is not breakfast food all over the country right right exactly. oh, it, 
it's kind of cool to, to see what people do eat. Um, now, I know that a lot of countries like Ireland um, have what they call immersing themselves into the culture and you can go and stay for a vacation time and they will immerse you into the culture. You're not staying in a, like a hotel, you know, where you're, the hotel is kind of international because everybody's there, but you will stay in a little village and learn village life. Oh, that's what I need to do. Cause it's on my, it's on my goal list. Cause like I said, Mike is Irish and we want to go, we want to go to Ireland one day. So that's well, what I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for that. <laughs> my bucket list. Um, as you can see, my maiden name is Maxwell and my father's people are from Scotland. Uh, many centuries ago, <laughs> we've been here in the States for quite some time, but I've always wanted to go over to Scotland. That is a bucket list item that I have on my little to-do list. I'll be um, as well to that as well, well you know maybe we should just get together and go to scotland and ireland and just have a good time. on location yeah we'll just do scotland we'll do and then we can just we'll do ireland England, and we can just jump up to ireland and come back i mean we'll pop into france we'll take a selfie in we can hit wales while we're over there too you know because we're going to be right there um, is it wrong that i i is it wrong and disrespectful probably so that i just kind of want to go to the um to the palace and in, in England and like screw with those guys and the oh the beef eaters <laughs> the guards the palace guards them. yeah I always see because they have to they are very good at their job <laughs> they always keep the straight face and they're very you know because they're military but I um my dad's probably gonna kill me for that military brat here in my very yeah. military family but I've always I, thought about that too I mean I'm sorry I'm goofy I just I, I would have to do at least like a running skip in front of them to just get it out of my system and then I'd be done. <laughs> they do have the pictures. You, there's a, a group that goes in front of them to try to, to yeah. make them laugh and all. I love those pictures. But it's a great way to celebrate another culture, to learn a little bit. doesn't hurt. Um, oh. They do have some really good food. I will tell you that. Um, I do like champs. I like shepherd pie. Um, I love lamb. Oh my goodness. Getting lamb is like awesome. We do not get good lamb here um, in America. We don't. Um, but you notice uh, the lamb starts coming out. Usually New Zealand sends its lamb over and you can start getting some lamb. Of course, this time of year, because yes. it's right there in bulk. It was in the womb. So now it's birthing. So lamb is going to be on the menu in April. So yes. just to let you know, but um, it is really, really cool that you can celebrate, you can learn about another culture. And the fact that this is celebrated all over the world just lets you know that everybody in the world now knows a little bit about Irish culture. Because yeah, if you just live there, you're going to learn something. Right, right. That's really cool. And I actually have some cool, interesting things about shamrocks that I wanted to cover because I thought they were interesting. So um, you shouldn't use shamrock and clover interchangeably, especially if you're around some serious Irish people is what the author said. Okay. Um, so all shamrocks are clover, but not all clovers are shamrocks. That's so cute. Isn't that adorable? So this is a shamrock with the heart-shaped leaf. 
our clovers have a round leaf. Right. So that is the basic difference. And it says shamrock comes from the Gaelic word seamrong, which means, excuse me, seamrog, S-E-A-M-R-O-G. Sean. Seanrog. Okay. Well, S-E-A-M, that's Gaelic. There you go. course I took. Actually showed me that would be shamrock. Shamrock, there you go. I am taking Duolingo for Gaelic Scots right now. I just have it in my So, Okay. Which means little clover, but not, but no one, not even botanists, are sure which species of clover is the real shamrock. In 1988, mm. botanist Charles Nelson did a shamrock survey for his book, Shamrock, Botany and History of an Irish Myth. And it just said that the trifolium dubium, or the lesser trefoil, which is what you have there, was the most common response. So I thought that was interesting. Now, another thing is you can grow clover indoors. Many of the clover plants you see in stores are of a wood sorrel family, which are easier, more easily grown indoors. There's over 300 species of <laughs> clover. Um, it's also called the Irish shamrock, known as the good luck plant. Now, shamrocks need direct sunlight, barely moist soil, and cooler temperatures. So, that makes sense. Ireland's yeah, cold. It does. It does. Um, now, a lucky clover may be considered a mutant. So, a four-leaf clover is a variation on a three-leaf clover but scientists do not know what causes the variation. A four-leaf clover, so this, so they're not sure if it's, the cause is genetic, if it's environmental, if it's a mutation, or all of the above. So I thought that was really interesting. If the cause is environmental, like soil composition or pollution, that may be the reason why one field may have several lucky clovers over a different but not enough testing and things like that have been done. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but going back to that point of being rare, there are about 10,000 three-leaf clovers for every one lucky four-leaf clover. So. <laughs> My stepmother could walk into a field and go, there's one. There's oh one. I, think I would I search for two hours. I found one when I was like a really small kid. And of course I lost it, but I have not been able to find one. Uh, now, the first known literary reference to clovers and luck was in 1620 when Sir John Melton wrote, if a man walking in the fields finds any four-leaved grass, he shall in a small while after find some good thing or good luck. Now, as you stated earlier, according to Irish lore, the four leaf clover stand for, well, this goes back to, so St. Patrick made the shamrock famous with the Trinity. Yes. And like you said, and that's how he traveled around Ireland. And that was a way of him spreading Christianity. However, the four-leaf clover, so the three-leaf clover, St. Patrick, it was the father, the son, 
the Holy Spirit or the whole of the Holy Trinity. But the four-leaf clover, according to Irish lore, stands for faith, hope, love, and luck. So that's what the four leaves represent. Now, they're often part of Irish weddings, shamrocks. The brides will oh, usually God. have them in their bouquet. The grooms usually in their boutonniere. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Now, Celtic priests are big believers in clovers. According to Irish legend, the ancient Druids believed that carrying a three-leaf clover helped them see evil spirits, so they would be able to escape them. They also used clovers to heal the sick and in religious rituals. So I thought that was interesting. That is. I never heard of it. Um, I didn't either. To, to see evil or to, to feel I it? I hadn't heard either, so I thought that was really interesting. Now check this out. Japanese farmer Shigeo Abara bred a 56-leaf clover. Oh, my gosh. How in the world did he tell all those leaves? <laughs> he said, I never dreamed of seeing this many leaves on a clover. And he placed decals on the leaves as he counted them to make sure that his tally was correct. <laughs> wow. So I thought that was interesting because it said that he bred them. Now, this was interesting because we have touched on some biblical things throughout the day, throughout the show today. Some biblical legends say Eve was carrying a four-leaf clover when she and Adam left Eden. She supposedly did so to remind herself of the wonderful paradise she was leaving behind. Wow. I never heard that one. I didn't either. I thought that was really interesting. I never heard of the blackthorn being the thorn of crowns either i never so i thought that was interesting in the middle ages children believed that finding a four-leaf clover allowed them to see fairies it was a popular pastime for youngsters to go out in the fields looking for rare clovers and once they found one they would search for the elusive fairies i think that's one of the more common um stories yeah. and i think that's something to keep the kids busy for a little bit so you don't kill them oh yeah yeah for sure. Be like, hey, you got to find the one with four leaves. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Out there, somewhere in that field. Oh, right. oh, way, oh, way over there. <laughs> now, it's said that the four leaf clovers are actually considered luckier if you find them by accident rather than actually being out there looking for them oh so, well that must have been what i was doing wrong because i go out hunting for them and i could never find right them. so yeah so i thought i was like oh well okay <laughs> because anytime i've certainly as an adult i am purposely looking <laughs> now cows horses and other animals find clover quite tasty because it's packed with protein phosphorus and calcium and that reminds me of thumper the rabbit from bambi because he, was, he loved clovers that's all always what he talked about. Um, and then also the four leaf clover is a well-known logo for the 4-H club. Um, yes. and in the late 1890s and early 1900s, rural youth clubs were formed across the U.S. to give kids a better agriculture education. Early on, they used a three leaf clover as their symbol with each leaf representing head, heart, and hand. A fourth leaf was added and the club became known as the 4-H. The fourth H momentarily stood for hustle, but then was replaced with health. With health, yes. With health. 
Now, going back to your wearing green, I thought this was interesting. Um, in the early 18th century, the shamrock became a symbol of Ireland and by association, Irish nationalism and independence. So patriots started wearing the shamrock and the color green to show their support for nationalism. However, British authorities wanted to squash the rebellion and banned people from wearing the color green or shamrocks as a symbol of their Irish identity. Those who wore it were threatened with death. So don't be mad at St. Patrick's. He didn't make wearing color green. <laughs> that happened way out, you know. As we, um, so, and then also, it actually, clover actually helped a lot of people during the famine. The clover you find today in your lawn can actually be chopped up and put into salads. And you can even eat the flowers raw or you can cook them. And that actually, clover is used, um, is eaten by the Irish. And during the time of famine, that actually um, helped them. I'm sure it did when they didn't have anything else to eat. At least you right. And if you think about it, going back to when we were just talking about the animals, it has the calcium, the protein, you know, so, I mean, at least it's something you're getting protein, at least that's going to help keep you fuller longer. But of course, it's not going to be anything like a yeah. meal, meal, but you know, but yeah, so that was all really interesting things that, you know, I thought we we would talk about today and sort of put a positive light on the day because we do hear so many things in the pagan community about how it's such a horrible day. But like I said, um, it was another pagan that was writing about, you know, in her family, they call it all snakes day. And because she's pagan, her kids are pagan and it's like, haha, we're still here. So it's all snakes day. You didn't kill all the snakes, you know, and they even do like little snake crafts. They do like snake spiral decorations you can do. And, you know, it's all, like I said, for my family, it's about heritage because my husband's Irish, you know, his, his dad, his grandma, you know, so it's important for us to, you know, make sure the kids know their heritage and, and things like that. I'm German, super German. <laughs> I'm not Irish at all. Um, You're IBM also. I, yes, I'm IBM as well. <laughs> But uh, I used to wear the button that said IBM Irish by marriage. Oh, that's so funny. It just it made it easier because I've been told I look very Irish. Um, of course, mm, that's Lady Claire all in the hair. So, but uh, <laughs> I'm naturally blonde. However, whenever my I started getting older, it started turning into this like light brown, dirty blonde color. I need to get my hair re dyed. Sorry. <laughs> I actually have the Italian. Native American, wonderful black hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I got blessed with that. The other thing with the Irish culture is a lot of wonderful things come out of Ireland. Um, you have the beautiful sweaters that come out of Ireland. Oh my goodness. They're, they are absolutely, you want a warm sweater. Well, think about wool. I mean, oh yes. And they are beautiful, the designs. Waterford Crystal, which is the top line in Crystal, is from Waterford, Ireland. So your crystal comes from there. Uh, there's no denying the effects of the Irish heritage on America. Right. You just can't get away from it. It's here. Um, and what better way to celebrate it than to celebrate the culture that brought it here? Exactly. Um, the clatter ring. 
I was told I was not married until I got my clatter. I, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the full, the ring, the ear, the, you know, my, I was married to an Irishman who made sure everybody knew he, I was married to an Irishman. Yes. Yes. So those are interesting things. And the Irish have added so much to the culture. If you just look, um, if you read over some of the very old um, tales, Julius Caesar and all, when he was up in Ireland, they, they said that they were uh, heathens and animals and, you know, right. the Scottish women, Braveheart, you know, that whole thing. But if you look at their culture, they pass things down from humanity to humanity year after year after year. Their culture was very much, before it was written down, was an oral culture and still is. Um, there's there was a very big joke by my instructor. He stood up in the front of the class and he went on telling the story and just went on or waiting for it to end. And he kept going and going. And of course, Italians tell a story and get to the end and you, you know why. And he just, and it, finally he said, well, I'm done. Does anybody have any questions? I'm like, what was the point? He goes, you're not Irish, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> he says, Sometimes the Irish like to talk to hear themselves talk. And there you get the gift of the Blarney and the Blarney Stone. So it's a lot of fun to go through your heritage like that. Um, and of course, on St. Patrick's Day, I would love for everybody to wear green just to enjoy it. There's, you know, everybody's Irish. Obviously, everybody in the whole world celebrates St. Patrick's Day. So you're going to be left out if you don't. So you might as well celebrate it. Join the crowd and celebrate. Yeah, and I remember being a kid, if you didn't wear your green, you'd get pinched. And then, exactly. and then being a jerk where you would wear the tiniest bit of green. That way, if you were wearing your green, but if someone pinched you, it gave you an excuse to punch them back. Punch them back. <laughs> um, I went to, um, believe it or not, the name of my school is St. Clements. That I went to school at, so it was an Irish school. Um, two of the nuns I had were Irish. So um, we did not do Tarantellas, but we did do the Irish lilt. So I did learn that a little cross-culture pollination there it was like okay they're like we can't what's your dance and I'm like we do tarantellas and they're like no no you're gonna learn the Irish lilt so I was like oh gosh that's funny and it's a whole let me tell you the tarantella you dance with your whole body in Ireland you dance with your feet so it was a whole different culture thing for me to learn I was like no this is not going to work oh that's funny but um they're supposed to be having um, limited parades this year. Um, everything's going to be a little bit limited, unfortunately, due to the corona. But um, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Go out and celebrate or stay home and celebrate. Um, there's a lot going on on the television, PBS and all. They're all running specials about Ireland for St. Patrick's Day. Um, have a little culture in your home. Watch even, even, Google, even Google, like Irish, you know, Irish movies on netflix or i you know you can there's so many different things that you could do audiobooks oh my gosh there was this beautiful book that i used to read and i cannot remember the name of it at the moment but i just thought about it that i used to read Haley when she was little and it was about this irish girl and she lived in ireland and it, it was about like the potato but it was very whimsical and it was very um you know and there she would she had magic and basically what the how it ended was she she had to like go to this king who was you know basically taking everyone's money for himself like the townspeople and things like that 
and she somehow with her magic and I, I don't remember all the details, but basically was able to, um, she, because of her potatoes happened in Ireland. So there's like part of history in it, but it's also like, you know, fiction and magical. So the, then that is how the story of the, you know, sort of like a, a fairy tale of how the potatoes, you know, would happen and, and be part of Ireland. And, you know, so I thought that was really cool. Well, that's very similar to the uh, 1975 movie. If you really want to watch a pagan movie, The Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the 1975 version. Let me say that again. Right. The 1975 version, not... Right. Right. I'm not even sure what the newer one was about, but that does touch a lot on the Irish and Scottish culture mm -hmm. exactly. and how things are. So there's a lot that's going on. It's interesting. Take it. Um, I've always said, if it's give me a reason to celebrate and I'll celebrate. Right. Nothing's exactly. better than getting friends together and having a good time. And that's kind of what this so, is about. And also just like you say, like, just like we mentioned, you know, when we were kids, you'd wear green so you didn't get pinched. But now after hearing everything we talked about, I mean, if you wear green, you're honoring a group of people. If I mean, they wore green for their Irish identity and they were killed for it at one point. So that's another way of being an ally, you know, and look, right. And look at it that way. It's not, you know, I mean, as witches, we look at colors, you know, di differently anyway, energetically and things like that. But you can also look at it that way in a more, you know, positive way of being compassionate toward another group of people. Well, and even now if that you I, look noticed, I can wear green to support another nationality, another heritage. And if you look, a lot of our magic and a lot of our faith in our faith is Celtic. Yeah. So, you know, people are saying, oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. Well, guess what? Before St. Patrick got there, they were pagan. So, right. and we're pagan. Pagan. So, I mean, celebrate your paganism. We're yeah. green. And there are so many pagans in Ireland still. So, I mean, enough with the sour grapes. We know, listen, there are horrible things that happen in history all throughout no matter what, I mean, especially to, you know, let's not even get started on the witch hunts. That's another show we'll do, but oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Show. <laughs> we're going to do that. But, um, you know, especially, you know, we talk about the Salem witch trials, but a lot of people don't talk about in Europe. That's a whole nother ball game, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a future show. But, you know, just back to your point, it's like, there's been a ton of horrible things. So celebrate the yeah. fact that, you know, celebrate not something good. Exactly. We are still here. You know, if you're pagan, you're, you're sort of being, and you are upset about the whole St. Patrick's day, you know, just put a positive spin on it. Well, you know, if that's how you really feel, if you, if you do feel that he was someone that drove the snakes out and you are anti St. Patrick, that is completely fine. You are allowed to do that. You are your own person, but try to take a more positive spin on it. If you're pagan, you know, laugh it off. I'm pagan. I'm still here. So I guess it didn't work and move on and be happy. And, you know, just and remember a lot of our faith base is Celtic. Right. Exactly. Can't run away for, from it. So might as well embrace it. Yeah. And like I said, there's all sorts of different cultures. It's, you know, 
what makes this great big world beautiful. We all learn from each other if we just take the time to listen and understand instead of having to be right. You know, I, that's a big lesson a lot of us need to learn. Um, but it's just so beautiful when, like I said, I teach my kids, it's the differences that make you unique. It's the differences that make you special. There's nothing special about being the same as everyone else. It, hence me being the way I am. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, my kids didn't have a choice. They had for, 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 yeah. For anyone that knows me, I am a rare creature. <laughs> I am just goofy off the wall. I don't care. I mean, but I'm happy because I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't, you know, I don't need to be, I don't need to be, there's no reason for it. And, and it's fabulous that you can celebrate your uniqueness. Yeah. I mean, purple hair don't care. I mean, finally, I have a corporate job that after 13 years doesn't care about that anymore. It only took that long, but I've had it for two years now. I've had purple hair. Um, but, you know, I'll probably have it until I'm 100. But I just, you know, I think that's important. Important thought of the day, you know, like Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah, just, the important thought today, just do it. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, remember, yes, we are all different. We do not need to fit in a box if, you know, we hope not. Right. I mean, so just embrace the differences, love one another, peace, love, and happiness. And also you were mentioning being able to see things on TV and zoom or things going on. We do have some upcoming things this year for the tradition in belt a belting weekend we have the global illustration which happens every spring um, different temples will host it last year we had a really amazing one that we've already discussed but it was our first zoom and we were able to do it international we had people in spain and all over i mean mexico and venezuela i mean it was amazing so this year it's going to be up north. I'm not sure Pennsylvania, New York. I'm not sure, um, but that's going to be Beltane weekend. And then we do have regionals in the fall, which are more smaller gatherings, and anyone can do them. There's a bunch of different ones. Um, so I know there's going to be Compassion League Temple in Jacksonville is going to be hosting one. Um, I know that for sure in October. And so I'm excited about that. And then I, and then I think DJ is going to be doing another Spanish illustration, which was amazing. I think he's planning to do that in September again, hopefully, yeah. but I know he's trying to move and things. So there will be more put out about it, but always just, you know, you can search, you can, you can, we have all, we're all over the place on Facebook. You can go well, to we're going to try and, and get some of the regionals and as and the little smaller ones as they come up, we'll try and put them on our Facebook page. Yeah, um, yeah. But keep up with us. There's a ton of things going on. Mm -hmm. um, there's if you can't physically make it to them, almost all of them are Zooming. Yes. Yes. So if you can't a physically go right. and want to join. Right. A positive that came out of COVID. <laughs> we realized the power of Zoom. And we're um, using it. We're using it. So, and Pam and Mary do a great ritual, full moon and dark moon rituals. So, I mean, those are on virtual circle. You can, I mean, there's pagan world that's out there. 
I mean, there's a ton of stuff. There is a ton of stuff out there's there. There's wonderful things on Zoom. If you can't make it, don't feel like you're all alone and you're isolated. Jump on a Zoom because I can't tell you how many temples are on Zoom right now. And everybody's doing the full moons, the dark moons, the high holy days. So jump on. Awesome to see how different groups do different rituals. They're not the same. And that's really... That's what's really interesting about, again, different people do it differently. differently. And that's what makes it awesome because it's not always going to be the same. You can take things that you like from different groups and, you know, and make it your own. If you're new to ritual and you're starting to practice and you don't have a lot of experience, make it your own, you know, pick little bits and pieces from little rituals that you see and oh, I really like that or and you know, there's no rules, just make it your own. But now you have the advantage of jumping onto Zoom to see a ritual or to see something that's happening, a uh, gathering, um, where before years and years ago, we didn't have this. And right. When you were isolated, you were isolated, seriously. Exactly. Exactly. But now take advantage of it. Oh my goodness. And the great thing about the Zooms are you can join and do it any time you don't necessarily have to be on it when they're on live because you can go back and, and just like our shows you can go back and look at another show like exactly. two or three weeks ago so the zooms are that way mm -hmm. um it's really great that you're going to be able to go back and look at some of the different zoom rituals so that you can get your own ideas or you can even figure out how to do a ritual because not everybody knows yeah, or you can just join in just to participate if you are experienced. You know, it can go either way. So it's really good. Um, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So, um, And one of the neat stuff is we have to mention our buddy, Cloud. He, yes. yes. Now, what was the award? I, I, saw. I, was, I was just about to mention. <laughs> you oh, can see, we're on the same so page there. He just released a new song. Um, that just came out last week called Persephone's Dance. You can go check it out. Um, I believe he's on SoundCloud. He's on iTunes. Um, I forget the other things. Band. Uh, what's that? Band. Um, Bandcamp. Yes. A couple different things. But he's out there. You can, if you Google Cloud, the pagan rapper, you will find his music. And it's really good. And he and I were actually texting each other yesterday about some cool up, some upcoming stuff. So I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, check out some of the music. Um, and that's another cool thing to check out. Um, since we do have the Zooms and the YouTubes and all that, you can check out a lot of the cool music before you purchase it. So you yeah. want to know if you really like it or not. And that's because, exactly. you know, you don't know. I, and I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to like rap music. Seriously, look, my age. Yeah, no. Um, but I actually enjoy his music. So um, you can buy the hard copies or you can download it. Yes, I have the digital, I have the digital copy, but I'm going to get a hard copy just so I can have a sweet little message from him. From him as you just want I, my message. I um, yes, very sweet. And he will send it to you if you order it from him. But um, he has, he's up and running for several different awards. He is now starting, um, things have loosened up a little bit with the COVID. So he is actually yeah. going out on 
doing a couple of festivals and all. So, hey, if you've got a regional festival and you want a live singer, um, Cloud may be available. Um, doing a spring mystery festival um, for ATC, I believe it's the first weekend of April. I want to say April 1st through the 4th. I think I saw it last night. I want to say double check because I'm not 100% sure, but double check. I'm pretty sure that's the weekend they're doing the Spring Mysteries Festival for ATC. And he is going to be performing because I did see his advertisement. Um, if you want to get a hold of him on Facebook to ask anything or to talk to him, it's um, Cloud Raps Wicca. Yes. So that's C-L-O-U-D-R-A-P-S-W-I-C-C-A. Mm hmm so, um, and he's also on Twitter and Instagram with the same names. So, and someone Ebony, who has no clue, they yes. tell me you can get on there. And Ebony um, produced his most recent release, the Persephone's Dance, and they did an amazing job. It's really good. So, yeah, check it out. It's it's awesome. Um, and like I said, if you ever have any, as we say every week, if you have any questions uh, for us or any teas you want us to do any show topics you want us to cover, head us up on our Facebook page, Tea Time with Mother and Crone. You can leave a comment, you can leave a private message, or you can email us at teatimemc at gmail.com. And of course, it's time like the herb, T-H-Y-M-E. Don't put T-I-M-E because it'll go somewhere else. <laughs> but, um, but you're always welcome. You know, I've already, someone asked me to do a tea on diabetes and, and the chamomile was really good for diabetes and we covered that so so let us know your ideas um fluffy wanted the peppermint tea when we originally did that so we've already done a few requests we're we're definitely willing to do that um and if you're having a gathering give us a shot a shout out we will list we will tell everybody about your gathering on the show um and if it's close we might even show up you never know we get out and about every once in a while they leave us unsupervised and you know, just stuff happens. So, um, yeah, what happens on the show stays on the show. Sure. So mm -hmm. if you're having a gathering, um, and want us to publicize it, send it to us. Um, we'll put it on Facebook page and we'll let everybody know about it. We're running down a list now. We're trying to get a little bit more comprehensive because everybody's now, cause things are changing rapidly. Um, states are now no longer requiring masks and things are lightening up, but you know, we have this other wave coming in that, in Florida, we have more of the UK strain now mm -hmm. than anybody else does. So some things are loosening up, some things are going to tighten up. But if you give us the information, we will make sure it gets on at least our Facebook page and we'll give you a shout out. Um, if there's any questions that you have or if you want to know if there's something happening in your area, give us a shout out. We'll try and find out for you. Um, it might not necessarily be Corellian based, but we might be able to find you a festival that's happening. Exactly. And we definitely appreciate all the support as always. And we want to thank you again for joining us this week. And we will see you next week for another awesome show. And we'll figure out what we're doing then. <laughs> okay. Thank you. See you all thank next time. Bye-bye.